the issue is that if you're not um, in the right mindset, if you're not, your personality doesn't suit it, if you're kind of one of those anxious people or if you're in a dark place and, you know, sitting alone with your thoughts can negatively impact you, then we want to tell people that, you know, this isn't the only solution. There are other options out there from goal setting to journaling, mood tracking. There's so many ways you can take control of your well-being every single day. And it's just because that the current narrative has been dominated by meditation. We're trying to say that there are alternatives out there. So it's not necessarily that meditation is terrible for everyone because that's simply not true. It really helps people. But we're just saying that there are other options out there as well that are recommended by doctors. That was Amy Louise Carson and Will Ben Sims, the founders of the wellbeing app Keep Happy. Created as a response to the lack of education around mental wellbeing, Keep Happy is a gym for mental health bringing together techniques such as meditation, journaling and mood tracking to help people improve their mental health. In this episode, we discuss why there's such a dearth of genuinely useful information regarding mental health, how your smartphone can help you with your mental health and why we need to consider different approaches to maintaining our personal mental health. But before all of that, welcome to Digital Mindfulness. In this podcast, we bring together global thought leaders focusing on ethical technology and responsible innovation. We focus on the advancement of responsible and sustainable innovation and the best place to take a deeper dive on these fascinating topics is by going to our website or meeting us in person at one of our 2020 events where we bring together the global community to discuss the advancements in responsible and sustainable innovation. I hope you enjoy this discussion with Amy Louise Carton and Will Ben Sims. Will, Ben and Amy Louise, thanks so much for joining us here on Digital Mindfulness. It's a real pleasure to have you on the show and I'm really looking forward to discussing more about this fascinating intersection of mental health and digital technology. So welcome. Yeah, thank you so much for having us. We're really excited to be here. So I wonder if you'd both tell us a little bit more about yourselves and in particular how you came to be working in this space and also how Keep Happy came about. Mm, So... My name is Amy Louise Carton and I am the co-founder and CEO of Keep Happy. And it actually began, just as a heads up to your listeners, it began in quite a dark origins when I made an attempt on my life. And it was during my recovery that I, you know, the first thing my doctors told me were don't meditate, don't go near meditation. And they were so adamant that meditation would be negatively impactful for me. So as a millennial, I was looking at all the technical solutions I could find and all of the other apps other than the meditation ones, they, they, it was like they had been built by really wonderful organizations and psychologists and institutions, but they didn't really understand how users thought or worked. So I'm the ninth generation of Ireland's oldest family business. And I regularly joke that I grew up around the boardroom table. So I knew that with my background, I had a lot of experience in this area. So I knew I could you know, bring this into, like create a product that used all the other tools that my doctors had recommended and create a preventative solution. And that's when I started the master's in Trinity College, Dublin. And that's where I met Will Ben. So, And my name's Will Ben Sims. And you can probably tell from my accent, but I'm not from Ireland originally. <laughs> I'm from Kansas. And I initially came to Ireland about six years ago to do an undergrad in Trinity and I wanted to stay on but I didn't want the full commitment of a job so I did a master's in entrepreneurship because 
you know, looking up to my dad my whole life, he's been a serial entrepreneur. So I've always known that's something that I wanted to do. And in late 2013, my uh, uncle, he took his own life. And that was kind of the first instance for me where I, uh, it was kind of shocking that I saw, uh, you know, the mental illness and how it can negatively impact individuals and the family as a whole. So after that point, it was always something on my mind that this is an issue. And especially in my area, not very many people talk about it. So I was like, this is an issue that's, you know, not being spoken about and it's really important. And so when I met Amy in our masters at Trinity, uh, I really fell in love with Keep Happy and the idea and we started working together and created a business and here we are now. So. <laughs> Those are incredibly powerful stories and thanks so much for sharing them. And for me, the most striking thing from the stories you've just said is that in, in the time when perhaps you might have needed um, a solution like a meditation, it was something that you were warned away from. So I'm really interested if you can just go into that a little bit more. Why was it that you were warned against using um, a meditation app, particularly when you were going through such grief? Well, it's actually an interesting question. So um, meditation has really dominated the narrative and there is a big difference between meditation and mindfulness. Uh, obviously, meditation is the practice of you know, finding inner peace and sitting within your thoughts and kind of just finding an absence of thoughts almost and just being in the present. And mindfulness is also being in the present, but it's going about your life every day and being present when living. And um, so mindfulness is something that we should all strive to achieve. We should all strive to live in the present throughout our lives. But meditation can have quite significantly negative uh, impacts for people who suffer anxiety, PTSD, or certain types of personalities. In fact, a lot of the research that we've been looking at has advertised that, you know, meditation isn't the solution for everyone. In fact, it, do, it can negatively impact people with the illnesses I mentioned above. But what we found when we did lots of market research in this area was that people would try the meditation apps, they would download it and try for a day or two or even three days. And then they just stop because it felt like a chore. If you're not trained to meditate properly, it, it can be very confusing and difficult to navigate. So when we started looking into this, it became very clear that this market space, the meditation market has really been very crowded and there's a lot of really wonderful apps out there that solve uh, you know, and provide meditation for people who are interested in it. But there's a complete absence for the, is it 70 or 87% of individuals we interviewed who don't like meditation. So we find that we needed to create a gym for your mental health. We needed to create something that worked for everyone else. And just building on that with, uh, you know, doctors and psychologists recommending that people with anxiety, PTSD, and depression, that meditation can negatively impact them. Uh, the World Health Organization has predicted that by 2030, mental illness, specifically anxiety, depression, will be the leading cause of chronic disease worldwide. And in 2020, so next year, it will be the second leading cause behind cancer. So meditation is really dominating the narrative of being, you know, the one solution out there for wellness. And there's so many people that are turning towards these apps for meditation, and they could have something, whether it be just their personality type, or it could be a mental illness, that meditation 
isn't as beneficial or in some cases negative for their own mental health. So they try this app and it doesn't work for them. And then they think, well, wellness doesn't work for me. You know, I'm different. This doesn't help. And then they stop looking because the current narrative is wellness is meditation and yoga. And while those are two things within the wellness space, that's not the only things out there. So with Keep Happy, you know, we're the gym for your mental health. We've got 10 different features and there's something there for everybody, no matter what your personally personality type is, whether or not you have a mental illness, there's something there that you can get use out of no matter what. So we're trying to be as personalized as possible and as accessible for everybody. Mm. For me, that's an incredibly fascinating and also alarming statistic. Just the extent to which mental health plays such a role in people's lives. And I don't want to labour this point too much, but this whole the whole role of, of mindfulness, as you mentioned, and just the extent to which that it might not be good for people. I think when people think of these mindfulness apps, they're seen as quite benign, as a very non-invasive way to help people treat mental health problems that they might be experiencing. But from what you just mentioned, that actually mindfulness and these meditation apps, they may not be useful for everybody and that a suite of um, solutions and techniques are needed. That's really important. Absolutely. So this is something that we get asked a lot because, you know, marketing has like the world marketing has just made us all believe that this is the only solution out there. So the problem is that, so for example, I suffer from PTSD. So when I try meditate, what happens to me is I often get locked, locked in my thoughts and I start to spiral. And if you're guided through a meditation with an experienced uh, like advisor or guru or whatever, and you're able to do it in a really constructive environment, that can be very helpful. And we're not trying to say it isn't, and we hope to introduce meditation into the app in the future because it is a great tool for some people. But the issue is that if you're not um, in the right mindset, if you're not, your personality doesn't suit it, if you're kind of one of those anxious people or if you're in a dark place and, you know, sitting alone with your thoughts can negatively impact you, then we want to tell people that, you know, this isn't the only solution. There are other options out there from goal setting to journaling, mood tracking. There's so many ways you can take control of your well-being every single day. And it's just because of the current narrative has been dominated by meditation. We're trying to say that there are alternatives out there. So it's not necessarily that meditation is terrible for everyone because that's simply not true. It really helps people. But we're just saying that there are other options out there as well that are recommended by doctors. So let's talk a little bit more about Keep Happy. Can you tell us exactly what it is and why it's so important? So Keep Happy is it's the gym for your mental health. So we have 10 different features in and everything from journaling, goal setting, gratitude diary, pill reminders, period trackers, <laughs> you know, everything related to wellness. And really at the core of our app, what we do is we track the eight vitals that most impact your daily well-being. So this is stuff such as your mood, your quality of sleep, hydration, productivity, and all those types of things. And uh, what we do is it's all subjectively tracked. So instead of saying how many hours of sleep, it's what was your sleep quality? Because for you, seven hours may be great versus for me, I need at least eight. So it's all subjective because everybody's different in terms of their relative you know, neutral bar. And then after we do this, we take your historically lowest performing vital 
and we push you content and prompts across all of our features to raise awareness on what's most negatively impacting your mood on a daily basis. So really what we're doing is we're providing an area where it's all these tools all in one space, they're all integrated and they're working together. And the more you use the app, the more it becomes personalized to you because it's all about your own subjective interests. When, when we were building this app, you know, we sat down in a room with a bunch of different people with a wealth of experience in different areas. And we were talking about, you know what, what is important for mental health? And we all went around the room and we had our own personal opinions on this is important to me, this is important to Amy and so forth. And what we really re realized is everybody has mental health, but everybody's mental health is unique. So what Keep Appy needs to be is it can't be this just cookie cutter that you go into this spot and you go into this spot. It has to be for everybody. And more than that, we're each different, but every single day that we go through in life is different as well. So if you compare this to the gym, because that's what we try to do, we constantly use the narrative of physical health to try explain mental health. Because one of the things that we would say is that while one in four people may suffer from a mental illness, you know, we all have mental health and we should all be engaging every single day with our mental health, just as people go to the gym every day or do sports every day. So when you compare it to physical health and you look at going to the gym or doing exercise, one of the things that we find is that people don't just go on a treadmill every single day. It's through the diversity of options, whether it's playing like sport, like playing football or, you know, running or swimming or doing weights that you're able to take control of your physical health. And it's the exact same with your mental health. On the days that you're spiraling or feeling anxious, using features like the journaling tool or speaking on helplines or engaging in kind of translating that chaotic thought process into words, that's really helpful. But on days when you feel dark or low mood, you know, engaging in a gratitude diary or setting small but achievable goals for a dopamine boost can be really, or yeah, can be really, really positive for an individual. So not only are we all different, but each of our days are different. So relying on just one tool isn't enough. There has to be a variety of tools available. I really like the analogy of the gym because it, um, it, gives me a really strong sense of what you're trying to achieve with the app. And just like a gym, there are key times of the year when people sign up to go to the gym and they have these very lofty ambitions that may sometimes fall away as the year goes on. So I'm wondering, um, in addition to having a gym for mental health and well-being, um, do you also have things like coaches or personal trainers for that same purpose? Yeah, so our tools, we have an amazing tech team. So they're actually very intuitive and easy to use. You don't necessarily need a trainer. That issue with retention is actually something I'd love to talk about because most wellness apps, they're usually the first thing that get abandoned. Wellness tools are the first thing to get abandoned when you get stressed. Like for the average person, when life gets chaotic, the first thing you stop doing is taking care of yourself. And it's a really interesting dynamic. But more than that, as I mentioned with the meditation apps or the other apps, like the, it's very easy to like start on a mission on January 1st to have a new year and new me and start using it every day, but then you drop off. 
So to try counteract that, we've actually we're going to be introducing gamification in January. So the gamification is so exciting, and we're we're just so buzzed to introduce it to the world. It's kind of comparable as, or just like you can describe it as the Tamagotchi of the 21st century. So they're called Keepies. Uh, the first one is going to be an adorable little puppy. It's augmented reality based, so it'll be featured on your phone in your camera as such, like Pokemon Go. And basically what's going to happen is every time you interact with any of the features on the app, you get points and you can use these points to take care of your keepy. So it's, it's in psychology terms, it's called a caring circle where you can look after yourself by looking after your keepy. And in doing so, we expect to see an increase in retention and engagement because by putting the onus of responsibility onto this adorable little puppy who can chase its tail and be fed and engaged with, you know, we're hoping to empower people to take control of themselves. So that's kind of our approach to it. Gamification is a really interesting way to, um, to get more engagement and to, as you mentioned, amplify retention. But um, I'm thinking that in the space of mental health and well-being, that um, I'm really interested in the choice that you've made there. So I'm wondering if you can just expand on that a bit more when there are lots of other ways to engage people. Of course. Well, one of the things that we're finding is we do we would like to be accessible for the younger population. So, you know, when you go to school, you go to PE and biology, you learn about your physical health from day one, but you never really learn about your mental health until you reach crisis point. And so what we want to do is we want to be available for the younger people uh, just so we can start getting them from a young age, because what we're finding is, you know, as the generations go on, their mental illnesses in young people is increasing, and especially with the rise of technology also. So what we're doing is we realize that every kid has their phone on them no matter what, and we can't pe get people to put down technology or stay away from social media. But what we can do is we put, can put something helpful on your phone, which is keep happy. So we're taking the gamification route because a lot of times doing these wellness techniques, they're not always necessarily fun. You know, like I, I journal, but I don't want to journal every day. Some days I just don't really feel like it. And some days it's just not fun for me. So the best way to engage with people on this level is to make it fun. So by having AR-based gamification, by having this cute little dog that you can play with and you can you know, record it doing tricks on your phone, this makes wellness a lot more fun and brings it to light. Because nowadays, when you talk about mental health or mental illness, as soon as you say the word mental, people start to freeze up. You know, they kind of close off to it. There's still a bit of a stigma attached with it. So we think by making this very fun and engaging and lighthearted, you know, we think that that's a good way that we can bring this to the forefront of conversation and be very useful to people. It is a shame, isn't it, that discussion about our mental health is still something that's um, stigmatized and considered taboo at times when actually it's more useful to think of our mental health in the same ways we would consider um, our physical health. Yeah, absolutely. And it's something that we've come across a lot that, you know, people ask us what's our biggest difficulty with launching a startup. And, you know, we launched the app to uh, just 11 weeks ago, actually. And, and you know, it's, it's a bit crazy running a startup, but actually our biggest challenge is the stigma 
you know, when you look at the one in four people who suffer from a mental illness across the world, two in three of those, according to the World Health Organization, will never seek professional help. They will never try to solve these issues because of the stigma. So when we look at this and we started approaching this question of how to solve the mental health crisis and epidemic, we started approaching it with the narrative that we need to make this as understandable to the everyday person as possible, to not necessarily avoid the issue and the stigma, but to kind of redefine it, to rebrand it, to make it sexy as such. And what we started to realize was that people understood physical health in a much greater way than they did ever with the word mental. So when we look at physical health, we start learning about that from almost as soon as we start walking. We learn about it through PE and biology in school. And there's so many points at which we learn how to look after ourselves physically. And it's just not replicated in our mental health. And that's what we're trying to do. One of the first things that you that happen when you open the app is it states that this is not an app for people with mental illnesses. Because we know that there is a very big difference between mental illness and mental health. But engaging in preventative techniques with your mental health every day can be a really big prevention against mental decline and mental illness. One of the key things that I've seen emerging from lots of government white papers is that they're looking now for technology and entrepreneurs to help design systems that will help relieve some of the burden, particularly for for health and well-being. So I'm thinking, well, well, my next question really was to be what the future is for Keep Happy, because um, as something that would be a frontline um, solution for many people to help manage their mental health, it seems that it would be fantastic. Well, we've got big plans, I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> um, We're dreamers. Yeah. <laughs> no, we would like to really, what's great about Keep Happy is we're putting the users at the center when we're building this app and when we make every decision, it's based on the users. So there's over 200 wellness apps being added to the app store every single day. So it's a very crowded marketplace. Although how we think that things are the way things should be done that so many apps that we find in our current industry aren't doing is they're not putting the user at the center. There's so many great psychologists, doctors, and people who are building apps and they're putting them out there, but they're, what they're doing is they're just dumping content. They're not looking into the flow of the actual app. And while you may have really good content on the app, if it's not, easy to use and it's not fun and it's not sleek, people aren't going to use it. So the way that we built the app is we make it as simple as possible that anybody can use it and we make it fun and engaging. So by doing this, it really allows users to get the full use out of it because at the end of the day, if you don't use it, it's not going to work. And so just to kind of give you a little understanding of our growth. So we launched the beta just 11 weeks ago. And in those 11 weeks, we've now reached over 60 60 countries and we have almost 7,000 downloads. So we've actually, we're finding that this is not just uh, because we're an Irish startup. This isn't just local to Ireland. This app is being engaged with and found positive in so many countries across the world from Australia to Argentina. And what we're finding is that people, particularly younger people, are really engaging with this app because they find that it it has something, that usability that just other apps don't have. 
So when we look at our future, it's definitely global expansion, trying to see how many people we can get this into because we want to bring this to as many people as possible and to be as accessible as possible. So given everything that we've spoken about and all of the users that you have around the world, I wonder if there are any um, stories that you can share of people that have really gotten benefit from being able to look after their mental health on a daily basis. It's actually an interesting question you raised there. So I don't know if you're aware, but of the top 35 apps, wellness apps out there, the Wall Street Journal did an article on this in January, 33 of them were selling users data to Amazon, Facebook, and Google. And this was replicated in September when 60 million women's sexual history and period data was sold to Amazon. So one of the things that we are very adamant about because we are a social enterprise and we try to do better and be better than our competitors is that we actually don't track a lot of our users' data and even some of the features and the data collected is stored to the phone. So it doesn't touch our servers at all. So we can't even see a lot of our users' data. So that means it's kind of difficult to give uh, success stories and kind of talk about this. But um, I know one of, he wasn't a friend, but he's since become a friend uh, following as he followed our story. But um, my, this guy called Paulie, he, he used to have, it wasn't necessarily an alcohol problem, but it was, he used to binge drink uh, on excess one during the week every now and then. And he found through the mood tracker that when he drank, he could see in the following two days how his productivity had plummeted, how his exercise would plummet, how different levels of his life were affected just by drinking alcohol. And you know when you kind of, you take it for granted that the day after a good night out, you're, you're not going to work as hard. But what he was finding that it was having a lasting effect over two days, maybe sometimes three days. So when he started using the app, he was able to see it on a graph and see it completely objectively in a way that he had never done before. And he's actually given up alcohol now as a result. So we would consider that one of our big success stories. But I think on a, even a general level, like being able to understand what triggers low mood in your life or what triggers low productivity or high stress, being able to see that in a really transparent and data-driven way is a really beneficial way to start understanding yourself in, a greater, in greater detail. And that's kind of been the major success story across most of our engagement online, where people are now able to understand what's affecting them. And they really like that element. And just being a little bit more generalized as well, you know, every startup, there's a lot of risk associated <laughs> with it. You know, will it work? Will it not? There's a lot of things that you just figure out on the fly. And so before we, our beta became live, you know, we've been working on this for a long time. We've done the research. We've talked to consumers. We knew that the problem was there and we worked with as many people as possible to develop it for our target audience but before we launch there's always that hesitation of is, <laughs> is this actually going to work are people actually going to want this because a lot of times if you ask somebody do you like this they'll be like yeah 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 but then at the end of the day they're not going to reach into their wallet and buy the product so the fact that we've recently launched and we're already in 60 different countries is amazing because internationalization is always a huge, huge issue with startups. It's hard to get your name out there. And what we're finding is people are actively searching for solutions like Keep Appy. So it's really great to get that validation that we're on the right track because you know what, 
it's funny when we look at keep happy and we see all these countries that we're in that I've never been to and I don't know anybody there. So there's somebody that we don't know that is using our product and we're building it in a way that we're hoping that it's going to be as beneficial as possible for them. So it's really great to get that market validation that we've hit our niche and we're on the right track. That's great. So my final question to you both is with such a plethora of, um, of apps and solutions that are available now for people to manage and look after their mental health, where is the best place for them to start? If people, you know, if you're, if you're a novice or um, if you're somewhat confused about where to start, what would you advise? Well, I think the most important thing is to kind of have a frank conversation with yourself. Like, what are your purposes for doing this? Are you doing this just because you kind of, you just want to try it? Or do you actually want to make a lasting change in your life? Because I think a lot of us click the download button and, you know, it's very easy to just download and see what something is without really committing and engaging to it. And I think that's what makes Keep Happy so great because even if you do just kind of give it to try instead of actually committing to a wellness lifestyle, it's very easy to slip into the kind of, way of thinking that Keep Happy advocates for, because it's, it's very simple. It only takes a few minutes and it's, it's really just really intuitive to use. It's really easy to use, which is why it's so great. But I think a lot of people need to have that conversation with themselves. I know when I was really unwell, I downloaded loads of those apps and never engaged with them because I didn't think I was unwell. Like I didn't even want to, like it was a very dark place. So it was very strange for me. But now that I'm looking at it, like it's amazing how much of a positive effect it can have on your life. But yeah. And I guess what I would say too is if you want to make a lasting impact and change in your life, it's never going to happen overnight. You yeah. just need to be very consistent and just do a little bit every day. It doesn't matter how little you do as long as you do something. You know, we always talk about mental health is just as natural as physical health you're not gonna run a marathon without training for months and months and months. So just like physical health, you're not gonna feel great overnight. You know, it does take time. And building on that with Keep Happy, we've made it so there's a lot of features that can show your progress over time because you know, your mood, it's a cycle. Some days you feel great, other days you don't. It's just, you know, that's how life works. And you know, it, when you're not feeling great, you may be like, oh no, this isn't, working for me, but you're just having gone through a little bit of a slump. And then you can actually go into cap, keep happy and see the progress and be like, you know what? I'm not feeling great now, but I'm better than I was before. That's fantastic. So where is the best place that people can find out more about you and connect with you and also get keep happy? Well, our website is keephappy.com and you can find us across all the social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn at keephappy, just K-E-E-P-A-P-P-Y. So it's kind of like WhatsApp, keep happy. <laughs> it's a bit cringy, but we love it. Um, so we're very active across all those platforms and we love anyone engaging with us. Well, Will Ben and Amy Louise, thank you so much for spending some time with us here on Digital Mindfulness and taking us through the fantastic work that you're doing with Keep Happy. I really appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you so much for having us.